it's not about what we offer. It's about what the client needs. So for example, I've had clients that have said, hey, I need to hire three engineers. Well, what do you need? Well, I need an ETL guy. I need an API person. I need so on and so forth. And selfishly, I'm like, this is great. This is easy. But when I started asking questions, I realized you don't have a plan. Technology is transforming how we think, how we lead, and how we win. From InterVision, this is Status Go, the show helping IT leaders move beyond the status quo, master their craft, and propel their IT vision. Attracting and retaining talent is something we have talked about on Status Go. It is always top of mind for CIOs and IT leaders. It is something that seems to change almost on a daily basis. So many things can impact your ability to attract talent, many things outside your control. Likewise, many things outside your control can impact your ability to retain talent. Today, we are going to look at these challenges from the perspective of three external forces, the pandemic and its aftermath, remote work and the return to the office, and artificial intelligence and its impact on the workforce. Joining me today is Avidis Antoplian, the CEO of HireClout, a tech recruiting and consulting firm out of LA. Welcome to the show, Avidis. Thank you, sir. Glad to be here. Uh, you were nice enough to be on my show and were brilliant. And so this is the only way I can pay it back for now. At least. Uh, well, it is awesome. And, and for our listeners, uh, Avidas has a great podcast and we just finished recording an episode uh, for him just a few minutes ago. So uh, Avidas, at some point, I want you to share a little bit more about your podcast with our listeners too. Happy to. Happy to. But let's start with your, your background. Uh, you're you are involved in a lot of different things today, but talk to us about that journey. How'd you get to be doing what you're doing today? And then tell us what you are up to today. That's great. Thank you. I'm happy to. So, so, you know, just like everyone else, I started, you know, I was in high school, I went to college and, you know, I studied business. Um, and, uh, you know, I went off to, to work in a kind of a, uh, coaching position, uh, teaching kids, uh, elementary and middle school kids and high school kids to play sports. It was a dream job. I literally went to school in shorts, right? So, and I played, sp- you know, I sp- played sports all day. Uh, I mean, it was literally a dream job. And uh, unfortunately, I had to give that up because I had to go and follow my dream of being a businessman. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so while I was a coach, I became a leader in the coaching uh, kind of realm. I ended up managing uh, 18 schools and their oh, wow. coaches. So even within that, I had to become a leader. I know your, your show is all about leadership and we, you and I talked about leadership. Uh, and then I went off to become an assistant director at Kaplan, and then I became a center director, and then I became a senior director of the West Coast, um, Northwest Coast Operations. Uh, had a good time there. But with the kind of recession looming, 2007 and eight, the company mm-hmm. kept shifting things, and and I felt I, I was frustrated. The position that I was being groomed to, uh, which was a VP role, was eliminated. Uh-huh. And it was eliminated without much much conversation with me. So I said, so that means I've got to go. And they were like, absolutely not. We've got plans. And I said, come on. I was never part of these conversations. It means you don't value me as much as you think, so right. on and so forth. I decided to move on. I gave them 90-day notice, which is unheard of. Uh, during that time frame, 
I was just interviewing with other executive search firms. And, um, and basically what ended up happening is I realized, man, I'm gonna have to go from one corporate job with politics to another corporate job with politics. I don't know if I want to do this. So last minute, I rejected a bunch of offers for great executive roles to go join a company called the Mitchell Group, which is a small technology recruiting firm headed up by a gentleman named Jeff, great guy. His business was highly successful and then had struggled since like the 2000, you know, last two, three years, he was really struggling. He said, you're a business guy. I need you to come and help me rebuild my business. I said, let's do it. And things were going great. I was going to bring all my Kaplan staff over. And then the 2008 recession happened, literally turned, lights were turned off. I've never seen yeah. anything like it. Um, so I said, oh, wow, that's interesting. And then my wife told me, hey, good news. Uh, you know, we're having a baby. I was like, great. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Congratulations, but oh, no. <laughs> oh, my God. So I left a cushy job with great income to join a startup who's struggling in, in, in a recession. And we're having a baby. Wonderful. Biggest blessing ever, right? Because mm -hmm. because my daughter had basically burned the ship, right? Burned the boats. Is they, yeah. I can't go back. I have yeah. to look forward and we're going to struggle like hell. We're going to survive and then thrive. So we survived the recession, so on and so forth. Helped the company grow, became an owner in that company, part owner, so on and so forth. Eventually, I wanted to do my own thing. Uh, mm -hmm. I wanted my own company and... You know, my partner, great guy, would say, hey, do you need more equity? We can make that work. I was like, no, no, this is your baby. I want my own baby. Yeah. And he goes, well, yeah. let me join you in your baby, right? And this is no, yeah, this is the kind of guy he is. No bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, wonderful guy. And said, you sure? He's like, yeah. And I said, well, why not? Here's a guy that got me into the business. He's a guy that I learned from. He's good. He's try trust him. And we created Higher Clout, um, you know, in I think 2015-ish. Right yeah. then and there, we took one of our employees who's still with us till this day, asked her to move from Arizona to L.A. We started this thing. We opened a new office and boom. And uh, we went through lots of ups and downs, a um, lot of small incremental growth, really tiny growth, frustrating growth, 5%, 3%, 8%, 2%, 0%. <laughs> and finally, two years ago, 2001, we, uh, well, we made it for 2000. 22 but made inc 5000 fastest growing companies i think oh wow congrats thank you very much we grew 235 percent, and then we made well it's not public yet but maybe by the time you published this where we made the list again for 2022 uh it's 2023 but it's for 2022 numbers yeah yeah so, so it's pretty exciting i don't know the percentage of growth i don't know where we were listed we'll find out in a few days but Really exciting to see that type of growth. Um, we were a LA regional player. We did Southern California, then opened up Bay Area, New York, and then eventually became a national firm and said, during COVID, there's no such thing as regional. We don't need boots. Yeah, exactly. So why do we need to, to do anything? And so we're headquartered in LA. We do work nationally and we have staff globally. So we have teams in a little uh, European country called Armenia, in India, in uh, uh, Colombia and Brazil, but uh, our headquarters is in Los Angeles and 99% of our business is in the United States. Thanks. The 1% okay. is for favors. So if a client says, hey, we really need some help for hiring yeah. in South America, sure. We're hiring in Europe, sure. Um, we'll do it just as a courtesy and because we have teams in those regions, but most of our business here is in the US. So that's the long and short of it. That's awesome. Uh, on top of all this crazy madness and my beautiful family, I also 
I'm an advisor to many tech startups and I'm an investor in many of these uh, startups, a board member to several companies. Uh, I'm a real estate investor, so I've got my hands full. Uh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Do you sleep? Oh, Any time that you sleep? <laughs> I actually sleep like a baby, which is really great. Um, I don't know how I find the, 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 the ability to sleep, but uh, I, I live a great life. And so I sleep from 11 to 7, wake up, go to the gym and do it all over again. So there you go. Do. So for me, it's, it's fun. It is a lot. My days are very scrunched in, so I don't mm -hmm. necessarily work, you know, 15 hours a day like people would imagine. I work eight to 10 hours a yeah. day, but really it's, it's, it's 10 hours of just nonstop. Which You're going. That's yeah. it. But then when I get home, hopefully I'm, I'm only focused on my family and, and that's kind of where, where I leave it. Well, I, I have a couple questions about higher clout, Please. and then I want to get to uh, what what we want to talk about today, which is uh, attracting and retaining talent in, in broad strokes. Um, I was just looking at, at LinkedIn, and I, I love this phrase, and I'd love you to comment on it, guardian of organization purpose. Yes. What, what does that mean to you, and what does that mean to your clients? I love that. Uh, it's actually more about internal. Right. Um, mm -hmm. When you were on my show, we talked about having a, a vision, having yeah. a mission, having values, uh, and not just being focused on the financials. And that's exactly what that means. I am the okay. guardian of our company's mission, mission, uh, vision, yeah. and values, and uh, it's my responsibility. So if this company fails to accomplish its goals, or fails to take care of its employees, or fails to take care of its clients, it's my fault. I'm the yeah. guardian this right yeah. um you you know and so i'm big on those things too i talked about look the truth is i'm a business guy i'm an entrepreneur uh, i do care about my my bottom line i do care about right. it but i do care about all of those things but i don't care about it more than i care about my employees or yeah. Yeah. Care about than my family or care about it more than my a lot of my clients so and frankly my employees don't care about my EBITDA Right. Maybe right, they right. care because if we grow, it gives them opportunities. But really, what's in it for them and what is our vision and what is our mission? And and, and that's what this is about. They care yeah. about things that that make an impact in this world. You know, we're a yeah. for profit company. It's not like we're going to pretend we're saving lives. We're not saving right. lives. Right. Yeah. But, you know, we everything we do, I tie it back to what is the client's vision and mission? Mm -hmm. uh, no one cares that we hire engineers, right? Or CTOs or CIOs or VPs. What they care about is the impact that those people will have on those businesses. So yeah. that's kind of what that phrase meant for me. I, I, I love that, that you, just, you, you put it out there, right? It's the buck stops with you, uh, with the organization. The other thing I wanted to ask about is recruiting and consulting. Uh, I'm not sure how that how it is in, in, in LA, but I'm in Indianapolis and typically those are different organizations, different companies. Right. You've brought them together. How did that come about? Um, that's a good question, Jeff. So, so our recruiting business is basically where, uh, you know, we hire for our clients and we might hire five a month. We might hire, you know, 30 in a year. We might hire one, one time, but basically companies like Tinder, Hulu, Open Table, Sony, PlayStation, Panasonic, these incredible companies. Uh, we're blessed to have them as clients. And what we do for them is we build their engineering teams, uh, ah. including, uh, you know, AI now, right? Or we've been for a few years, but machine learning, robotics, data science, all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. 
uh, we build those teams, including IT and infrastructure and all that. Yeah. Uh, that's that's the recruiting piece of the game where we we understand what they're trying to accomplish, what bottlenecks they have. We hire the type of folks that are going to remove those those bottlenecks. Yeah. Um, on the flip side, some of these companies might have a project that they don't need full-time staff for. So they might be building a portal for their customers to log in and blah, 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 blah. Maybe it's not a core product. So where can we bring in our team of technical people to, to give them a temporary, basically, uh, solution, right? So that yeah, could yeah. be... It could be as simple as, honestly, it could just be one or two individuals that tap into Jeff's team and, hey, I just need someone to do some of the data engineering, data pipelining. I need a data engineer for nine months. Uh, hey, I need a UI guy to build out the UI for this, this SaaS platform. Yeah. It could be simple as that. It could mm-hmm. be, no, 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 you're going to bring in your team and you are going to build the software. Like, for example, right mm-hmm. now, we're going to be working with a client that's trying to uh, uh, automate and introduce some robotics into his uh, solutions, uh, his management, um, his uh, warehouse management uh, solutions, I would be bringing in my own team uh, through partner companies or people I already have. But that's kind of how I look at it, right? Because the piece of it is just staff augmentation. Piece of it is we would actually build the software with the folks that we have. Yeah, I I like that because it, it sounds similar to when you were describing uh, some of your global work, you, you've done it because your client has asked. What you're doing is filling a client need uh, with these with these resources. Well, Jeff, can I can I give you a quick story on this? And this, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's not about what we offer; it's about what the client needs. So, for example, I've had clients that have said, "Hey, I need to hire three engineers." Well, what do you need? Well, I need an ETL guy. I need an API person. I need so on and so forth. And selfishly, I'm like, this is great. This is easy. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. It. Three spots, right? Yeah, it's three, three, three revenue pieces. But when I start asking questions, I realized oh, you don't have a plan. You don't know what you, you think you need these three types of people. I don't know if that's the case. So sure, I can make money doing this. But long term, you might look up a year and say, I just spent this much money on fees plus these yeah. three employees or four employees. At the end, I don't have a product. So I said, no, I said, you need something different. So, so now I've introduced, uh, and I've done this all the time. I've introduced a team of folks that, that are going to go in and they're going to productize his, we're going to actually do a product roadmap. We're going to do, we're going to do things that it's a lot longer and harder for me to do. And because I'm going to be using partner companies, I might not even make the same type of income. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Those people remember what, what I did and long-term ramification of their success. Yeah. I've done this with, like six different companies and some of them have actually exited because of the software that we built. instead of me saying, sure, I'll hire three .NET developers for you to do what you don't yeah, have yeah. products a mess. You know, you're not ready for someone to come in and just augment your, your work. So that's where it came from. It's not about us. It's about what the client needs. And if it's not what we offered, then, then we're going to walk away. There's no point. Yeah, yeah. You can make money in so many different ways. You know, that, that is such a great uh, approach. And uh, uh, to our listeners, uh, you, you might check out the episode with Joel Russell uh, of E-Imagine. Uh, Joel kind of takes the same approach. He's got a small uh, boutique organization here in Indianapolis. Not quite so small anymore, but he, he tells kind of that same story of putting the people first, putting the client first and the revenue, the revenue will follow. Uh, Avidas, I'd love your thoughts on the state of 
hiring, the state of recruiting. Uh, a lot of our listeners are in corporate IT. Uh, one of the things I hear from, from them and others in corporate IT is uh, attracting and retaining talent is at the top of their priority list all the time. They can't, they can't find good people. So what's your view uh, from your seat as CEO of HireClout uh, of, the, of the hiring market right now? The, the, you know, since 2011, it's been a hiring boom, right? You can't, there's, you can't hire enough people. And that's how we grew over the years. Uh, and t- I mean, last two years prior to the current kind of state we're in, I mean, you literally couldn't hire fast enough. I had to turn down business because of the amount of, of, of how quickly I had to provide the high quality of service. I couldn't. What's happened since May to September of last year is I've seen a, a drop in the need. However, it's temporary. Mm-hmm. And so with the kind of pseudo recession we're in, the unrecognized uh, recession we're in, I mean, you know, tech yeah. is the first one in a recession, the first one out. I believe yeah. we've been in a recession since May of 2022. That's what I felt. Yeah. So obviously it's affected our business. But what I've noticed is companies had overhired and they had over... They had overhired and overpaid for a lot of the staff they had. But really, if you come down to it, is they had hired the wrong people. Uh, they had gone into a bidding war to hire as many people as possible to compete so that others didn't have these engineers. And I think, if I could be honest, is I think people got really spoiled, right? Uh, yeah, work, yeah. work from home. I come and go as I please. So a lot of folks had multiple jobs. They really were not working. Let's just be honest with you. Right. Mm-hmm. So what ended up happening is there was a massive dump in talent. And so the first reaction was um, the leaders, the, the things are, are laying off. Right. Which means yeah. I should, too. So then other people laid off. Well, they're doing a hiring freeze that I should, too. The problem is work still has to get done. And if you want right. to win, if you want to grow, if you want to take advantage, you do the opposite of what everyone does, not what everyone does. does. Yeah. To me, if you're following Google and Facebook, is like if I'm a basketball player and I'm five nine and I'm doing what Shaq does. I'm developing my game based on Shaq's game. And, and I don't have the physicality that Shaq does. So it's hilarious, right? So yeah, yeah. you gotta do you. So that's kind of what I saw. Now the reaction is, well we don't need a recruiting firm, right? Why would we need a recruiting firm? There's all these great people applying to jobs. Yeah. Right. I hate to tell you, this is a, I'm going to offend a few people. Great. There's not a lot of great people looking for jobs. Uh, uh, and yeah. if there are, there are, by the way, I personally know some amazing engineers that are looking, they're looking for a very, very, very small window of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're rarely applying online to jobs. They're doing it through their network and people like yes. myself. Um, and they're going to get multiple offers and they're going to get snagged. Right. Yeah. So what ended up happening is if, if companies aren't doing well, they're laying off a lot of people. If a product wasn't working, they might get rid of a whole team. But minus those two categories, I think what people did is they're mostly, mostly there's some amazing folks that were laid off that are terrific. They're mostly laying off folks that are underperformers or weren't quite a good value based on the salary level yeah. and, and how they're performing. Um, so again, I say this on a general rule. There are some amazing people I personally know that are available. I'm shocked. Yeah. And they get multiple offers. So yeah. the, the, the now is you still have to move fast to get great talent. 
you have to be very good about giving them compelling story. Why should they, they work for you? Because guess what? If they're in good, they are getting two to three offers. So you think I got you, you're unemployed. No, 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 not at all. Because I'm going to interview, I'm going to interview really well. I'm great. Oh, great. I'm going to get multiple offers. I'm going to choose the company that's giving me um, what I need. And what I need is, is changed. You know, flexibility is the number one thing people needed. Number Now, number one thing is stability. People really need to understand your roadmap. And, and so you've seen that shift from flexibility to stability. Very quickly. Now, the flexibility is still important. And I see mm-hmm. a big kind of um, clash between what companies want and what candidates want and yeah. sometimes need. So yeah. candidates want flexibility. Hey, I've been working from home remotely for two years. And some of them are just just because I want to for mm-hmm. flexibility reasons. Some of them moved out of L.A. I've got one one gentleman. He's amazing. Moved from L.A. to Redding, California. I don't know if you know where Redding is, but there's nothing. I, uh, yeah, yeah. Northern California. Nowhere near. Okay. Yeah. Nowhere near any tech company. So this is not an individual that can say, all right, I need a job. I'm going to commute a little bit. There is nowhere yeah. to commute to. There's no commute, yeah. <laughs> he has to, he, his need is real. Like he has to commute. He's got two young children, so on and so forth. What companies need is I need people butts and seats again, at least two, three, four days a week. This is the shift that I see is a major yeah. battle, right? Well, why do you need me in the office? Well, because we're not getting the production that we need from people. That's not true. People are more productive than ever. Not necessarily. That's not necessarily true. So this is what I'm seeing. This is the biggest gap. As if a year ago, if you were unemployed, didn't matter. You had access to every company in the country now, right? Yeah. Now it's, no, no, I need you to be in an office two, three, four days a week. You basically have to be 30, 40 minutes away. So that's what I think the biggest bottleneck right now is. What's the biggest challenge that you hear from your customers? Uh, when they're trying to fill roles, you may be working with CIOs, CTOs. Uh, what's the biggest challenge that they're expressing to you? There, there's two big challenges. I think this this uh, this remote thing is the biggest one they're dealing with. Yeah, so if yeah. they are okay with the remote, I have a lot of clients that stuck to that to that model. Then mm-hmm. they have an advantage now because they're recruiting nationally. While everyone else shifted to a, oh, no, no, I need people in in Los Angeles or Irvine. I have a client right now. It's a great company. What they're asking for is so niche and so tight. And they're asking for people within a very short, small window. And it's very challenging. That is the biggest challenge. Finding people not only are available and in the location, fit salary the bands that have yeah. shrunk in all of a sudden. That's interesting. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Are willing and able to come into the office. That's really challenging. I mean, we went from yeah. our access to 5 million tech professionals in the United States. It might be more. It might be 10, 20 to, oh, no, no, I'm fishing in a small pond now all of a sudden. Yeah. And most of those people are employed, you know. So that's a massive challenge that everyone's facing. We're facing. That's an opportunity, obviously, for us. Uh, but it, it's it's challenging that, and also people have been so overpaid for so long that mm-hmm. it no longer makes sense. You yeah, know, yeah, you have a yeah. four-year engineer making one hundred eighty thousand dollars, and and they should have all, only earning for one fifty. Well, good luck convincing yeah. someone that they should make less. Right, right, right. That's not going to happen. And no. and I know here in the Midwest, we 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 struggle when the pandemic hit and we went to remote work. 
right? We could hire from the West Coast, but also the West Coast could hire from us, that, right? From our resources here uh, and pay, pay a higher salary than we were paying, but still less than what you would pay on the coast. Um, and now with this pull back to the office, you've got the, the talent, the engineers that are stuck. Uh, you know, it's the guy that you were just talking about. I was making 180. Well, in office in Indianapolis might be 110. Exactly. Right. That's a heck of a that's a heck of a cut. How do you well now? He, I mean, they're well, not absolutely. Gonna, they're absolutely. Not moving to L.A. They're staying in Indianapolis and they're earning 170. Good luck finding another position in that region. Yeah, you're not. You, it's not going to happen. Not gonna it just happen. isn't. So you're going to have to find somebody that's open to the remote work. At probably a lower salary because the demand is, is down. How do you help your clients balance um, long hiring cycles? It seems like, uh, it, you know, hiring talent, you, your company has this process where they've got to interview, blah, 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 blah. Are you running into that uh, as a third party recruiter where your, your candidates are having to go through multiple iterations of of interviewing, or are you able to short circuit some of that? Uh, our job is to try to uh, short circuit that because yeah, yeah. if you're not efficient, it's not even about our lack of patience. You're not going to get great people. Uh, yeah, yeah. Same yeah. thing with salaries, right? If you're paying less, it's not. I don't care about the fact that it, it means less income for our company. It means that you're not going to hire anyone, and if you do, it's temporary. You're going to get yeah. the person that needs a job that has to take that job, but they're not going to be happy. So they're not going to give you their all and they're going to leave in six months to a year when the market changes. And so I right. almost can't allow that because then it's my brand and my reputation. So if our company is known for its retention driven process and our engineers stay 2.3 times longer than industry average, well, what happens when we shortcut what you're supposed to do? And all of a sudden your people leave in seven months. Yeah, you said people stay a lot longer. They only stayed seven months. It's a disaster. Um, yeah. I told you, you're underpaying by 30%. Yeah. You're asking yeah. for something that doesn't exist. And, and and the argument is, what are you talking about? We get good people applying. Like, okay, let me know how that turns out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So for us, the interview process is incredibly important. You don't need 60 days to vet someone out. You don't need eight interviews. But right. you don't right. need to rush either just because... I say so, or, uh, you know, a candidate says so. You need to have a nice, well-thought-out process, and you yeah. need to be, you don't rush, be decisive, but be very selective. And all that means is if I send you a candidate, be decisive whether you want to interview the candidate or not. Yeah. You yeah. interview that candidate. Because you've done some vetting already. Of course. Right? Of course. We've yeah. Put, yeah. put people through multiple interviews before they get to you. So you should, yeah. we have about a 90% middle to interview ratio, which means that I send someone, you're going to interview them. That's fine. Decide quickly. Then decide after the phone interview if you want to take them to the next step or not. Then yeah. from that step, decide if you, you want to hire them or not. It's still you are in charge of that process, but be, be decisive and be as fast as possible without rushing. We, we recommend two to three steps. So phone interview and maybe one small panel and a big panel or an in-person, that's it. References, yeah. take care of references. We'll take care of background checks. We'll do everything to make sure you we confirm your decision one way or the other. But you got to be decisive, right? It's, it's yeah. okay to be right or wrong. It's not okay to be... Um, 
to not know, right? You just sit around and, well, we want to see more people. You should know what you need and want. And if that person is not it, please pass on the candidate. Uh, yeah, yeah. But if they're good, hire them. Don't waste time because someone else will. Um, you know, putting people through 60 days of interviews is a waste of their time and yours. You're never going to get oh, it. You're just not going to get the talent. Yeah, yeah. Well, as I as we mentioned earlier, I was just a guest on your podcast. And I want to turn the tables on you and ask you a question that you asked me. But before I do that, could you tell our listeners a little bit about your podcast? Sure, happy to. So the, the podcast is called The Tech Leaders Playbook. Um, it's, it's focused on folks that are in the industry. They don't necessarily have to be technical, but these are people that are entrepreneurs that are you know, leaders in, uh, and uh, they have staff and they manage technical people. I've had some really interesting guests. I've had uh, NBA coaches on there. I've had oh, great nice. people like yourself. I had uh, Cormac, the CTO of OpenTable. And, and I like to bring in different fo- types of folks to, to give people a different flavor. What can you learn from an NBA coach? You can learn leadership. You can learn oh, absolutely. How, to, how to build relationship with your players so you can be hard on them. So that's where kind of I, that's how I, I took this show is I have to interview people I like and I have to interview people that I enjoy listening to. And our, hopefully our folks feel that uh, with the mm-hmm. chemistry that I have with my guests. Awesome. And, and to our to our listeners, it is an awesome show. Uh, as I was preparing to be a guest, I listened to several uh, episodes. I'm going to have to find the one on the coach because that was not one that I listened to. But uh, it is a great show. Uh, uh, Vitas does a wonderful job as host. So on your show, you asked me about 10 years from now, what's the impact of AI? Uh, so I'm going to turn the tables on you and say, okay, AI, generative AI, uh, these large language models, 10 years, what's the impact on IT talent, on tech talent? Oh, that's a really good question. You know, like you said. Well, you asked it. It should be a good question. I I didn't think about the answer. Uh, For me, for me, any expert that I talk to, and I myself, I don't. I think we're kidding ourselves if we we think we know what's going to happen in ten years or even five years. I see a small impact already, where every company is kind of in FOMO mode that they feel like Uh, they need to inject AI or they're going to miss out and they're going to die. Right. So I see a little bit of that. And, and, and sometimes I just ask three, two, three simple questions and they can't answer it because there's no real great plan on what they're trying to achieve. They just want to be able to say, I have AI. Really a lot of the AI is not real AI. It's either automation um, Mm -hmm. or, or it's some kind of wrapper on top of chat GPT or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And the same thing goes when I'm, I'm talking to startups that, are, that, that, I, that want me to invest in them. Um, I ask, where's the AI? And they don't have an answer. And I'm almost like, don't. Look, it sounds like you've got some form of mindset of where AI could plug in, but you're not an AI company right now. And that's, yeah. so let's really think about what you are. And if it means you're a company that automates something great, well, that's, that's incredibly needed. What I see is, just like anything else, I see certain engineers will, will, will become dinosaurs, right? They're, yeah, they're not yeah. going to evolve. They're not going to be willing to learn. They're going to, you know, they're going to have, they're going to die off. Their, their skill set will no longer be needed. Some of them will adjust and move on to those things. I believe jobs will absolutely be lost. Absolutely will be lost. Um, I mean, we have a client right now that's trying to, to eliminate 
you know, software developers, right? Through yeah, AI. yeah. We'll see what they do with that. Um, but more opportunities will be created, just like anything else, yeah. just like any industrial change and, in, you know, manufacturing and, and farming and all that stuff. I think the key is we, we have to be open-minded. Um, I don't think AI will kill us. Is our lack of understanding and, and ability to use it will kill us as an employee. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. so I, for myself, I continue to be a people-driven organization, but I am absolutely injecting AI, uh, looking into injecting AI into my, my, my company, but I'm going to do it in a, in a fashion where it doesn't risk anyone's job. And I do it in a fashion where it does not eliminate what we're all about, which is the people-driven people. Process. Yeah. I, I, I love that you're taking that kind of pragmatic approach to it. And, and even in your investing, you, you ask those same questions because I, I, I think uh, it's similar to what was going on several years ago when all the hype was digital transformation. And if you weren't doing it, you were a dinosaur and you'd die off and, and go away. And now we've got the same thing going on with AI. So th- thanks for letting me uh, turn the tables uh, there. Uh, so we are out of time. We, you and I, we've been talking now for uh, an hour and a half, counting your show, yes. uh, but uh, which has been awesome. It's it's flown by. Uh, as I warned you, we are all about action here on Status Go, and so I'd like to ask you this final question: What are one or two things that our listeners should go do tomorrow because they listen to our conversation today? That's a great question. I think what people need to do is they need to rethink uh, their strategy about hiring. Again, if you know, I'm here because I'm a hiring expert, that's kind of what I want to leave people off with is what are you trying to achieve, right? Mm-hmm. And what type of people do you need to achieve that with? And what part of your process is, uh, is getting in the way of that? Right? Is it a uh, is it a, a clunky HR process, and it's just something that that you're used to, and so you just think it's normal that you know three HR people have to interview someone before it ever gets to you? Get rid of that process. Get rid of pieces yeah. of your. Is it you? Are you the bottleneck? Oh, I'm so busy. By the time it'll take two weeks for you to do a phone interview with me, get rid of yourself as a part of the process. Inject yeah. other people into it that can eliminate those bottlenecks that you've created or someone's created on your behalf that's stopping you from hiring great people. And right. stop posting and praying. When you post <laughs> and, and, and lots of people apply and you think this is it, it's, it's not, right? Again, rarely do great people apply to jobs. They're typically buried in excellence in where they work or they have such a great network that they can plug in. I've got an engineer that it t- it texted me. Yeah. Says, You've placed me three times now and all three jobs have been great. Uh, I want to work with you exclusively. You're not getting that guy. Yeah. You're not getting that right. guy. He's not applying the jobs. He has no interest. He's got a great severance package. He can wait as long as he wants until I find him his dream job. So yeah. just know what you're getting, right? Yeah. I, I, I like that to, to really uh, analyze your process, remove the bottlenecks, uh, and, and stop posting and praying, yes. I think was the phrase you used. That, right. That's great. Avitas, thank you so much for joining us on Status Go. Uh, I'm glad we connected. Uh, I enjoyed being on your show, and I've really enjoyed having you on our show, and I know our listeners have too. So thank you. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you sir, for having me. I can't wait to see you in your awesome leadership uh, 
uh, summit or whatever you're going to, you know, the, 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 the big, the big one. And I'll see you, uh, I'll see you at one of your CIO dinners. Awesome. Would love to have you. Avidas, thank you so much. Take care. Have a question or want to learn more? Visit intervision.com. The show notes will provide links and contact information. This is Jeff Tun for Avidas Ontoplian. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to the Status Go podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or get more information at intervision.com. If you'd like to contribute to the conversation, find Intervision on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Thank you for listening. Until next time.